Welcome to another edition of the PW Mania Hot Tag Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Justin C., joined this week by both my co-host Cam and the chairman, Stephen Vincent, as we are finally here to get together and record after a couple weeks off there. Um, the scheduling conflicts is not working out, but we are here to record. We're here to preview WWE Crown Jewel taking place this weekend. We are also here to just talk about AEW uh, and some, some follow-up there and what's going on over there. Uh, also give a couple of different top fives as well this week. So a little bit, uh, a good amount to get here to. So let's just get right to it. Jump right into talking about Crown Jewel, which takes place uh, this Saturday um, in the afternoon from Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. We got a seven-match card uh, right now. Uh, and just overall, looking at it, I mean, I think it's a pretty strong card when you go up and down it. Uh, I mean, you got a John Cena appearance. You've got two big title matches, uh, you know. Uh, Logan Paul is going to be on the show. I think overall, I'm looking at this, I think it's going to be a, a pretty strong card here. Um, just, Cam, I'll go over to you first. Just what are your thoughts looking at this show? Yeah, I mean, it's probably one of the, the stronger um, or excuse me, WWE shows that they've done in Saudi Arabia. So, you know, there's some matches looking forward to it and things like that. You know, I just uh, really been digging the interaction between LA Knight and Roman Reigns the last few weeks. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff looking forward to the WWE, but yeah, I mean, it's a it's a pretty pretty solid show from what they've put on in years past, and you know, no Goldberg match, no Taker match, so you know, we get to have a a decent viewing. Hey, don't drink it yet. You never know when Goldberg could possibly be coming out of retirement for that kind of match. Uh, Chairman, uh, what are your thoughts on the show? Yeah, it's a nice card. It's a shame where it's located because you know reasons, but um, you know, they're not doing like their stupid forty man battle royal that. Braun Strowman, I think, still has that green belt. And, you know, you got some title matches. You got some matches you weren't expecting to see. So should be fun for those that are interested. Yeah, so let's get right into this card here and jump into the previews. Why well, might as well start with the only women's match. Uh, or I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, there's two women's matches on the card, idiot. Excuse me. All right, let's start with, well, let's start with the one I was going to start with anyway for the uh, WWE Women's Championship Io Sky defending against a returning Bianca Belair. Uh, I don't really like just returning and jumping into a title match right away. I mean, that's just, I would much rather have people built in and winning matches for it, like rather than just jumping right in and going, okay, yeah, here we go. Um, but I mean, Io Sky, it's another, oppo- another opponent for Io Sky. Uh, Bianca being back, uh, just gives her that. I don't think it's time for Io to lose the title yet. Uh, I know she's been defending pretty much against everybody on the SmackDown roster at this point, but I just don't see any reason to see to have Io Sky lose this title yet. Let her continue to to run as champion. I think eventually you're probably going to get some kind of damage control split, and you're going to maybe finally also get Io versus Bailey at some point. Uh, I know there's a lot of star power on SmackDown, but I just don't think at the moment there's any reason to take the title off Io. So I'm going to go ahead and give her the nod here. Uh, Cam, who are you going with? Yeah, I think Io retains too. I'm kind of surprised that this uh, this damage control you know feud has just con- or faction has continued and continued. I thought by now we would have gotten her versus Bailey. You know, Dakota's obviously injured, so she can't really do nothing. But I mean, I'm surprised that they've stuck together this long and they're kind of just stringing it out. So maybe at some point we'll get eo versus bailey maybe the royal rumble or something but yeah i think she retains all right he's going with chairman 
Yeah, I agree with you guys. I think uh, EO will retain. I don't like Bianca, like you said, Justin. I would call it the uh, Charlotte Fair treatment, where you just uh, show up and get your title shot. And yeah, she has legit, because, you know, what happened with Money in the Bank and SummerSlam, et cetera, et cetera. But I think uh, we're going to see Bianca do some other stuff besides just chase the title. And I think uh, we eventually will get that EO Sky Bailey match. It's just a matter of when. I mean, maybe they're going to try to hold it for WrestleMania if possible, if they can get that long. But I think that match will happen at some point. But so until we get to that, I think uh, EO will continue as champion. Okay, let's get the other uh, women's title match on the show in uh, here as well. We got a fatal five-way match for the Women's World Championship with Mommy, Rhea Ripley, defending against Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler, Zoe Stark, and Raquel Rodriguez. I mean, if you guys you basically want to call this your like, hoss fight, quote-unquote, for women, uh, that's what this is probably going to end up being here. You got five of the heavy hitters, even though I don't really consider Zoe Stark or Nia Jax heavy hitters in a women's division. I forgot what they said last week when all five of them were coming out. I think they said something like along, along the lines of five of the top women in wrestling. I'm like, well, Nia Jax is out there, so there's no way in hell that's true. Uh, Cam, I'll let you pick first on this one. Who are you going with? You made me, you made me take a joke on my water. That was keep water ready for it. I started laughing because when you said that about Nia Jax, um, I mean, Rhea Ripley, I mean, this is one of those like minus 100,000 type of bets where you got to put a million dollars down to win like five bucks. Um, they're not taking the title off Rhea now in the perceivable future. I mean, who knows whenever she's going to be dethroned. I mean, I'm still kind of waiting now that Becky's not uh, NXT women's champion anymore that maybe at some point down the line we'll finally get. Becky versus Rhea, but that's obviously like a WrestleMania type of match, so maybe they'll save it for then. Um, but yeah, this is this is the our quote unquote lock of the night. All right, Chairman, who are you going with? I agree with Cam. This is definitely lock of the night. Like if Rhea's gonna drop the title, it's gonna be somebody in her league, not a bunch of wannabes and comebacks. Like you lay off all these people and reunite Jacks back. What the hell's wrong with this place? Like, Zoe Stark is hot garbage. just a, nothing. Um, Raquel's about the only credible threat, but Rhea's already conquered her, and then it's just like, whatever. I don't even remember who else is in this match, nor care. Oh, Shayna, yeah, she's, she is what she is. I see Ronnie's in uh, the Indies now. Good for her. That's where she belongs. But, um, yeah, it just, you know, it's almost like, like someone like Becky or someone else big time steps up to Mommy. She's going to run rampant through that women's division. I'm surprised they didn't put Natalia in this match. She's always like the get tossed in these uh, crown jewel events. Yeah, I mean, they've been teasing for so long now, Becky and uh, Rhea Ripley. They've been having just stare downs backstage. And of course, we had Becky lose the NXT Women's Championship this past week. Uh, so Becky's little run in NXT is over, which I got to give her credit for. I mean, uh, like, she's somebody who is you could probably argue the top woman in your company, like just from a star power thing and name recognition. And she probably didn't have to go down there if she didn't want to, but she went down there. She worked with a handful of women, interacted with a handful of women, and it gives everybody down in NXT, those women, the rub. Um, you got, I gotta give credit also to what NXT is doing down there with the women's division. I think I saw this past 
their past show, their show this past Tuesday had 50 minutes of women's action on it, which is more than double any other show I think I saw in wrestling this past week. So good for them. But yes, I am also picking Rhea Ripley to retain here, uh, like both Cam and uh, Chairman said. I, it's going to be re- I'm almost positive. Like you want to lock in. Um, Roman versus Cody on the men's side. I think on the women's side, locking in Rhea versus Becky is is pretty certain. So I'm going to go ahead and say Rhea wins. And yeah, I don't think she's losing this title until we get to WrestleMania. Even if she loses it then, I'd totally be fine with just letting her keep winning the keep holding that uh, going forward. Uh, let's go to our next match here: Cody Rhodes versus Damian Priest. Um, it seems like the seeds are being planted, at least in my opinion, for some kind of War Games match at Survivor Series with Judgment Day and Cody Rhodes and all the other faces on Raw. Uh, so that's kind of where I think they're leaning there. But uh, I'll let Chairman, I'll let you go first on this one. Who are you going with? Well, I mean, Cody has to finish the story, right? So in order for him to finish the story, he has to beat Damian Priest. I mean, that's like chapter, like, 13 i think i don't know but i i just don't see cody losing because he has like this insane like win loss record since he's returned to wwe so as much as we all love damian priest you're not beating the american nightmare in saudi arabia yeah i'm almost kind of surprised that you're not seeing this for the uh, the money in the bank contract if you want to get cody into the Roman Reigns match at WrestleMania, though I think that would be a kind of a weak way to do it, though I also don't think Cody should win the Rumble again. Uh, So I'm interested to see how they end up getting to Cody and Roman. But, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and pick Cody here as well. Uh, I always keep forgetting that you still have Damian Priest with that money in the bank contract, so I don't know when they're eventually going to play that up. But I think Cody gets the win here. Um, Who are you going with, Cam? I think this has the the capabilities to be, like, the best match of the night, maybe. I mean, I think both guys really bring it. Um, there'll probably be some Judgment Day shenanigans out there and stuff like that, but it should be a really entertaining match. Um, I mean, I almost feel like they're going to go, because they're, they're kind of, I don't want to say hot and cold with Judgment Day, because they're on TV two segments every single week. You know, at least two segments. Involved in the main event, usually the opening. So they're they're a hot commodity on Raw, but they go a little hot and cold. And I'm not saying pre should beat Cody here. Um, but some sort of DQ match, because right now, I mean, I feel like, like, you know, Justin said, I don't know if Cody should win the Rumble, is going to win the Rumble. He shouldn't take the money in the bank contract away. So we got to figure out how they're going to get back to him. And, and Roman, considering, you know, Kevin Owens was the one traded to SmackDown when they brought over Jey Uso. So it's a little interesting, you know, but we have plenty of time to figure out what's going to happen there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think Cody wins. Cody wins this match tonight, and then, like you said, yeah, Justin. At some point, it'll be Cody, Jey Uso, Sami Zayn, and uh, I don't know somebody to be determined. Ricochet, you know, maybe Seth Rollins, but who knows? Versus Judgment Day come um, Survivor Series. All right, let's move on now uh, to let's go to John Cena back one on one taking on Solo Sequoia. Uh, interesting. I think it's a good opponent. For John Cena, it's a good for Solo uh, getting a big-time match like this against John Cena. I mean, you're looking at facing the face of the WWE in the last, you know, 15, 20 years. Uh, so that's good for him. 
I've, I've enjoyed John Cena's work since he's come back. Uh, and kind of, like I said, interacting with a lot of different people from your LA, LA Knights to your Bloodline members like this with Solo. It's a good use of John Cena since he's been back, and I am all for that. Uh, this match is kind of interesting, at least for me. I think... Um, I don't know how much longer Cena is going to be around. Is he going to be around for Survivor Series? And is he going to, you know, um, be in the War Games match potentially? Or is this kind of his his finish up here, here at Crown Jewel? I don't really know. Uh, this one's honestly a toss-up for me because I could see Cena coming in and doing the honors for Solo. And I could also see Cena winning. But um, I don't know if it's an upset, but I'm going to go ahead and pick Solo uh, Sequoia to win this one. I look at it and I see, you know, Solo as a guy that has potential down the line to be one of your top singles heels in the company. And I think getting a big win over John Cena like this could be good for him going forward and down the line, you know, make him even more of a threat than he already is. And I think the WWE has high hopes for Solo, and I think given it, even if it's a win due to like outside interference because of Jimmy Uso or something like that, it, it's still a win over John Cena. So I don't, I'm going to go ahead and pick Solo uh, to win this match here. And like I said, I do have to give the tip of the cap to John Cena for what he's done uh, since his return here in the WWE. Uh, Cam, who are you going with on this one? I mean, who knew 10 years ago that John Cena, the last what since COVID mania when he returned and had the fun stuff with, with Bray Wyatt that, you know, the last three years have been like, you know, Cena being like a top five favorite wrestler of mine for sure. Just everything he's done has been spectacular. His, his, his move to Hollywood and becoming an actor has just really like amplified the John Cena character in itself. So it's just kind of funny when he's around and it's, it's been pretty good television. Um, I mean, I'm in the same boat because I feel, feel like Cena's going to be around at least until Mania. I feel like this is kind of his run right now. And then, you know, maybe every once in a while he might pop up here and there to have a match or a promo or, you know, move into that Undertaker-type role where he comes around once a year, every once in a while or something. But I kind of feel like this is his run because I feel like the story's not done. I feel like, I mean, even though they're both faces, I mean, I feel like there's an LA Knight match there somewhere maybe or something along those lines because... You know, they've been heavily involved with SmackDown, so I feel like his his run doesn't end here with Solo Sokoa. I feel like it continues because I don't want to say SmackDown needs John Cena, but, you know, once a month, twice a month, keeping the Bloodline stuff going has really helped the storyline. So, man, I mean, it's big match John, so you can't really bet against, you know, big match John Cena. So I'll go with John Cena. All right, who you going with, Chairman? Yeah, this definitely can go either way, for sure. You know, you got the upcoming superstar in Solo Sequoia, but you also have John Cena, enough said. And I think, you know, you know, John Cena hasn't had exactly the best run for singles matches. I think they just got his first win, you know, recently in the last event when he was teaming of LA Knight. So I think he needs a singles win because it is John Cena. You can't have him take too many L's. Otherwise, you're going to kind of damage his credibility. And losing to John Cena is not going to hurt Sol Sequoia in the long haul. So, again, this could go either way. This would definitely be the negative uh, 110 on both sides for me. Um, but uh, I will take John Cena. All right, and... That will now lead us to, let's go right ahead and do the 
Roman or not Roman, excuse me, Rey Mysterio Logan Paul match for the U.S. Championship. We had Logan Paul after his recent boxing match call out Rey Mysterio and then show up and challenge Rey Mysterio for the U.S. title, and we get this match here. Uh, I'll go over to UCAM first. This one, who you got? Uh, this is interesting for me because I feel like what happens in this match kind of dictates possibly where LA Knight's um, time on SmackDown is spent. And this has the makings all for Logan Paul winning here because Rey Mysterio doesn't need that belt. Um, it should have been Santos Escobar, but that's a different story. Um he doesn't need the belt here. This will be Logan Paul's first huge win in the WWE. He'll beat Hall of Famer Rey Mysterio. He'll be the United States champion. And then our boy LA Knight will be the one to dethrone him, just like I said he would do with Theory. This time it'll be even a bigger match on a grander scale, and he'll do it against um, Logan Paul. What, Chairman? How come Guther's not defend the Intercontinental title in this event? Like, this is bullshit. Guther is, like, superior compared to this U.S. title. This U.S. title is worthless at this point. Like, it's just hot garbage. Like, they missed a boat with Valley Knight when it how many months ago. They missed a boat with freaking Santos Escobar. Rey Mysterio has it for some unknown freaking reason. This is why he's losing it. He's losing it to Logan Paul because Logan Paul's a superstar media guy. And it's not the world title. It's the freaking U.S. title that no one cares about. So they're just going to let him win it just to get some publicity, some buzz, just for him to drop it at Survivor Series to somebody else. I'm going to make it a clean sweep here. I agree with you guys. I think Logan Paul is, is wins this here. Like Cam said, I agree with everything he said that, you know, Rey Mysterio doesn't need this title at all. I guess they wanted it to be a, uh, like a bigger name, I guess, for her, uh, for Logan Paul to win the title from. And I am 100% on board with what Cam said that I think this is going to be a situation where LA Knight's going to win the title and then, or I'm sorry, Logan Paul is going to win the title and I could absolutely see this being LA Knight's WrestleMania match down at WrestleMania, assuming he holds that long, which I would see no reason for him not to. It doesn't make any sense for him not to hold the title that long. Um, so I'm going also going to jump on the uh, Logan Paul train here. I, I mean, Rhea is too much of a lock of a night to say that's a lock of a night, but I almost feel like this is like your second lock of the night here, I think, with Logan Paul winning this match here. Although, well, we haven't gotten to the other title matches. So maybe it's the third. Um, but I expect it to be a good match. I mean, Logan Paul has been able to, has shown that he can he can do this. He can wrestle. And that if you ever probably put anything into it full time, you would probably be really great at it. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and pick Logan Paul to win the U.S. title here. That leads us to the uh, World Heavyweight Championship match with Seth Rollins defending against Drew McIntyre, uh, a match they've been teasing for quite some time here, and they're finally going to deliver it at Crown Jewel. Um, Chairman, you're up here first. You're up here first. Excuse me. Who are you picking here? Not picking against my boy here. Hell no. Not against Drew Sloppy McIntyre. Like. Drew owned him during the COVID era, so now it's time for Seth to return the favor since he's not the fan favorite. It's time for him to be, you know, the champion to walk in and walk out. It's time for everyone to sing a song nationwide. I don't think it's time for Seth to drop the title yet, and they could easily run Seth and Drew a few more times if they want to because that's the Seth Rollins way, where if you feud a Seth Rollins, you must fight him numerous times. We've seen it with Shinsuke. We've seen it with Ray in the past. Dolph Ziggler, who was future Endeavor, we see him running it with Seth. Everyone runs it with Seth multiple times, so this is only chapter one. All right, uh, 
Cam, who are you going with here? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm finally glad that they've given Seth Rollins something new to do, and I think this will be a um, fantastic match. I mean, this could be also like the match of the night, too. You know, who knows, as long as they, they both bring it again. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think Seth Rollins has been on a great one, and at some point, I mean, I don't know, I'd, you assume at this point that um, – I'm blanking right now that Damian Priest is going to cash in on Seth Rollins or because he's not going to cash in on Roman. Like, there's no way in hell that's happening. So we're kind of wondering maybe maybe Saudi Arabia is the night where they finally do that because I think Seth, has, Seth hasn't hit a wall or anything. But, you know, him taking some time off before the WrestleMania push then coming back for a big match wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if he really truly does have all these back issues. Yeah, uh, I saw a report earlier that Drew McIntyre still hasn't signed uh, a new contract with WWE, so I probably um, it probably plays into this here, though I don't know when his actual contract expires, so who the hell knows. Uh, yeah, but again, like uh, Chairman said, this is the this is the first match here. This isn't going to be a one-off program. None of these programs are one-off programs when it comes to Seth Rollins, like uh, like Chairman said. I, I do anticipate at some point. I'm waiting for Drew McIntyre to go full on heel. I mean, they kind of lost me with their promo battle they had uh, last week on Raw. I really wasn't that big of a fan of it. Um, and I'm interested. I think these guys will have good chemistry together. I think the match will be good. Um, like I said, I'm fully expecting something along the lines of maybe uh, like Seth Rollins and Seth Rollins wins and tries to kind of like go and shake his hand afterwards. But instead uh, Drew McIntyre kicks his ass and we get a full on heel turn from Drew. I could absolutely see that happening, but I just think Seth is retaining his, uh, his title here. So that leads us to our presumed main event, I would guess, which would be Roman Reigns defending the undisputed WWE Universal Championship against L.A. Knight. Uh, we all thought at some point that L.A. Knight was going to get this match. I'm kind of surprised it's happening this early. Uh, but at the same time, he guy is just so hot, I think you would almost, I don't want to say you have to do it here, but I can understand them wanting to do, not push it off. Um I just hope that his momentum is installed after this because I think we're probably all going to agree that Roman Reigns is retaining. But I thought L.A. Knight has been tremendous in the build-up to this feud, like him just showing up at the contract signing uh, last Friday on SmackDown and just kicking his feet up and sending that Roman spot at the table I thought was great. Uh, it was good work by him. I mean, I think as long as L.A. Knight keeps doing what he's doing and it looks like that he has – a purpose going forward and that he's going to have storylines and even be involved in the main event stuff, like probably being involved um, in the war games match. That's likely to take place at survivor series. I think that's fine with him. And then again, same thing, seeing him possibly in the U S title scene uh, going into WrestleMania, taking down Logan Paul, where he gets an even bigger, uh, you know, I don't want to say gets a bigger following, but there'll be more people paying attention to him because it's Logan Paul and Logan Paul is the media sensation that he is for some reason. But Roman's retaining here again, similar to Rhea. Roman is not losing this title until uh, WrestleMania if he even does it there. But I am picking uh, Roman to retain uh, Cam. Who are you going with? Yeah, I mean, I have half a mind to, to, to sprinkle some money on LA Knight because, you know, maybe they Maybe they, Cody finishing the story doesn't have to involve Roman Reigns. Who knows? You know, maybe Cody can win the WWE title at some point. It doesn't have to be to throw any Roman Reigns. Um, I mean, I, 
don't want it to happen because it's happening in Saudi Arabia. I wish it would happen, you know, somewhere in the States or whatever kind of show or something really big. Um, I mean, I think at this point that I feel like the Survivor Series, I think you're getting a War Games match for sure. But I think the other main event of Survivor Series is going to be Cena and LA Knight versus Roman and Solo again. I think that's just, I mean, I think that's just something that they need to do because I feel like Solo, it's going to be a similar thing that happened at WrestleMania where they have Solo come down and help Roman Reigns beat LA Knight to get the one, two, three, because LA Knight's like so over right now. It's like Cody WrestleMania all over again. And at some point we need to see Roman take this loss, but I just don't think it's going to happen this weekend. All right. Who are you going with chairman? LA Knight wins. So Cloud say it. LA Knight wins. Huh. Doesn't win the title though. Oh. No. He's oh. gonna, it's gonna be a DQ or a Roman's gonna walk out or something. Because I think they're gonna run it back at Survivor Series. I think they're gonna do it again there. And because LA Knight will pretty much say, You can't beat me and that'll piss Roman off. So they're gonna do it again in Chicago. And they're gonna have the crowd that needs to be there for that because like Cam said, it shouldn't be over there. LA Knight is too big of a fucking star to be wasted over there when they probably think he's still Eli Drake. He needs to be in the States with this Roman Reigns match. So it's going to be a shit match this time around because they're going to have the real match at Survivor Series. That's where I'm going. So LA Knight will win this one, but Roman is going to get DQ'd just so we can run it back in a few weeks. At least that's what I'm hoping. And then when they get all, everybody gets mad that LA Knight loses, that'll be where uh, CM Punk returns and calms everybody deserves. It'll just be a crazy, <laughs> crazy Survivor Series. Uh, we could only wish uh, something like that were to happen. No, no, I shouldn't say. I shouldn't say we only wish. There's some people who don't want CM Punk back, and that's fine. Um, but that would just be one fucking crazy ass show if that ended up happening. Uh, trying to go through here, look to see if I can find anything else WWE related. I will say, I think since the last time we were recorded, uh, that the reports came out from Endeavor or from, but not from Endeavor, but for, oh, it was from Endeavor. It's like from Ari Emanuel and, and like, they were kind of confirmed, uh, that it seems like this is now Triple H's show now running creative in that Ari kind of, you know, took over and he wanted to go ahead and give Triple H the reins because Triple H has been doing what, you know, what has probably been the best wrestling and best storytelling on TV in the last 10 years at minimum, just the overall flows of the show. I mean, we're recording right now during Raw and you've got the, uh, the Creed brothers debuting against Alpha Academy and they already got this big video package for them playing to show that to show who they are. We've got, you know, mid card titles established as meaning something right now with Gunther being at over 500 days as intercontinental champion with Rey Mysterio and LA Knight going after LA Knight calling out the U S title, um, on you know, a big time boxing match. I just think every, I think they probably saw something there and were like, okay, like let's just let him do this. And there have been reports that, you know, <laughs> Vince McMahon is almost slowly being phased out of things behind the scenes. So who the hell knows what's going to happen there. They showed Vince. I saw a video of Vince and the undertaker at the Tyson Fury, Francis and Ganu fight uh, this past weekend in Saudi Arabia. And Vince is walking around with a cane, like a, like one of the, like he almost looked like he was walking around like Willy Wonka from the original Willy Wonka. And I was, I was waiting for him to kind of do a a front tumble and then stand up and make it like, aha, see, I'm fine, everybody. (laughs) But um, what are your thoughts, Chairman, when you saw that stuff saying that it looks like this is Triple H's creative show going forward? 
Oh, very happy. I think Triple H has done a phenomenal job, you know, and I love the oppressors they have at the end of prime premier live events where they ask Triple H questions. I mean, I actually stay up late to watch those. I think those are really cool how, the, you know, they talk to all the wrestlers and Triple H and just a lot of stuff he's doing. You know, he brought um, Nick Aldis on as a GM for SmackDown, and, you know, that's a cool move there. You know, Adam Pearce is not exclusively to Raw, so now we actually have, like, feuding gen managers again which is great. So, you know, we're slowly making things great for wrestling and WWE again. So Triple H has just done a phenomenal job. And I really want to be a fly in the wall when I saw that photo of Vince, Mike Tyson, and Eminem sitting together. Like, what kind of conversations were had between Eminem and Vince especially? Like, is Vince going to be doing some freestyles with Eminem, bring the do-rag back, or what? I want to know. I would have about 50-50 odds that Vince probably has no idea who Eminem is. Um, I'm trying to even remember. I'm trying to think. Do they ever use an Eminem song for a pay? I feel like they used one Eminem song for uh, like a pre for like a pay per view earlier in the year, but or not earlier in the year, but like early like during his Eminem time. I uh, I wouldn't know what it is, but yeah, I I bet you Vince is probably, Vince. Obviously, I think who knows who Mike Tyson is, but yeah, Vince probably looks at uh like Eminem and just thinks it's some random guy that he has no idea who it is. I can oh I can yeah. absolutely see that. He probably what? thinks he's a John Cena ripoff. <laughs> yeah, either that or he probably thinks he's like Kevin Federline or something. I, hey, Kevin Federline, I booked you before. Britney's in the news now, pal. Can we get Britney back? Um, Cam, what are your thoughts on Triple H taking over taking over creative? I could totally see Vince thinking Eminem is Kevin Federline. Probably went up to him and was like, how's Britney? And Eminem's just like, what the fuck? What are you talking about, you demented old man? <laughs> um, I mean... I think the addition of Nick Aldis has been low-key amazing because GMs, when they're not involved in every single freaking segment on TV, are really great because, you know, Adam Pierce has done a really good job. He kind of just hangs out with the mid-card people and makes some decisions every once in a while, and he's not all up in the show, and he's not trying to get himself over. He's not, you know, Commissioner Foley or anybody throughout the years because, you know, for a long time there was no GMs or anything on WWE so it made the product you know it's you know it's wrestling it's is what it is <clears throat> but having the GMs and having them be on there and not over the top I think really does add layers to the product um yeah I mean it's been good I think Triple H has done a great job you know he's got Jade Cargill so obviously talent is seeing what's going on in the WWE and I think they realize okay we can go over there because Triple H you know seems to be the man of the people and Shawn Michaels down NXT so you know you don't have creepy Vince and one when all the new guys do dumb shit or weird shit not letting them get over um and, you know and I still heavily believe that you know come January whatever day it is for the Royal Rumble that MJF's three initials are going to plast on that screen and I think MJF's going to debut for the WWE here in the Royal Rumble coming this year um so yeah I mean that's all looking up for WWE as far as I'm concerned you know let's just see where where things go yeah, there are some free agents coming up in AEW. As we said, there's some free agents like Drew McIntyre who apparently still haven't re-signed a new contract in WWE. I think 2024 is going to be uh, an interesting year when it comes to those kind of stories. Speaking of AEW and MJF, they went ahead and did on Collision this past Saturday MJF versus Kenny Omega for the AEW world title with absolutely no build other than Kenny Omega showing up on Dynamite and just kind of staring him down, and they went ahead and made this match. I am just kind of baffled by that. Um, 
I'm just like, that's a pretty big match for you guys to do. And that's something you probably could have hyped up on more than two days notice. Uh, it's not Bill Goldberg, Hulk Hogan on like a three days notice bad where you knew you were making Bill Goldberg as a star and you probably should have put that on pay-per-view. But um, like, I just like that almost plays into the idea that Cam mentioned that are they trying to blow through some of these world title matches with MJF because they know he's not going to be around at the end of 2023. Uh, it's just an interesting question to throw out there. Obviously MJF retained as MJF is facing uh, Jay White at full gear for the AEW world title, but just kind of baffled my mind when I saw MJF Kenny Omega with, like I said, very little notice that they're uh, fighting. What were your thoughts about that chairman when you saw it? I saw that on social media that they advertised like that world title match. And I had to do a double take. I'm like, did I read this right? That is the world title match. So we literally just take Kenny Omega and MJF, you know, two of the biggest talents in AEW and just throw them on a random Saturday night show that no one's going to watch because you're in the middle of college football, world series, um, hockey, NBA, whatever, whatever, everything's going on. And you're going to try to put this pay-per-view caliber match on a random Saturday night. Like I think TK's lost his fucking mind. Um, I, I don't get it. Um, I think you're right, Justin. I didn't even think about that scenario, but now that you mentioned it, I can totally agree. I think they're going to try to mount out every MJF dream match they have left because this goes back to what Kansas said before Royal Rumble. He might be gone. He might very well leave. So the triple B might be going to somebody else here before the end of the year. So that might be something to really, really watch. I don't know if I can handle a watered down MJF in WWE, but you know, the Cody narrative plays, definitely a well big factor in there so that might be something to definitely watch yeah what are your thoughts cam on all this considering we just brought up but you just brought up mjf yeah i mean it's just i mean we're all we're all frustrated that they booked it with three days notice like this should at least i mean if you're gonna have it on collision to, to spike a saturday rating at least a week out man but my my main problem with is that on dynamite you have MJF interacting with the guns who he accepted a match with them do a two-on-one handicap match. We'll see how that goes. He probably ends up dropping the, the ring of honor titles or maybe Roderick strong, you know, overcomes his neck injury and um, fills in or God knows, you know, we don't really need uh Justin's other favorite wrestler making an appearance on anything other than he's being, he's on TV way too much. Um, that Kenny Omega kind of looked like secondary. He came out after, you know, you got, the argument between the triple B and all this, you have the promo exchange between JY and MJF. And then you have Kenny just come out and be like, Hey, well, you know, I kind of want to wrestle for that title too. And like, you know, kind of diminished Kenny's not like role in AEW, but also like his, like his aura that goes around him. Like Kenny Omega should have got a proper intro, all that stuff. If you're going to do this match, um, maybe, maybe, I mean, maybe I am onto something, maybe Tony Khan, and MJF can't come to a decision. Maybe MJF, like I said, he's he's done everything in AEW. He's he's done every story. But then you have the random vignette with Wardlow saying, "I'm coming for you too." So it's like, is is this really happening? Like, are they really trying to fit in every single thing that they can and throw everything they can at MJF till he what drops the title to hell? Maybe even Adam Cole comes back. Who knows? I don't know what their pay per view schedule is, but. I believe MJF has stated multiple times that January 4th, his contract's up. So, you know, I'm not, again, I'm not sure what the AEW pay-per-view schedule is, but, you know, unless they have something after full gear, um, MJF will be 
dropping the title on a dynamite or a rampage or a fucking dark if they still do dark. Yeah, they did announce another pay per view for the end of the year. Let me uh, look it up. I, just, I, was some I think it's name. World's End, and I think it's in Long Island, if I read right. That sounds right. Actually, you're right. Yeah, it's right, because I thought of the um, the Simon Pegg and uh, Nick Frost movie when they um, when they said that. I was like, wait, isn't that the movie? Um, no, you're right. Yeah, you are 100% right. That is what it's called, World's End, uh, December 30th. Yep, Long Island. So, uh, yeah, so you want an interesting place for... Uh, for that pay-per-view to go ahead and end and see um, and see uh, MJF lose the title in his hometown, possibly on his last AEW. That would definitely be something to see. Um, we've also, since we've recorded, uh, Sting had made the announcement that uh, AEW Revolution in 2024 will be his official retirement from the world of pro wrestling. Um, if you want to say uh, one of the always, I would say pretty much for the most part, bright spots in AEW has been Sting and what he's been able to do since he came out of retirement and just came and just wrestled in AEW. Some of the stuff, the spots he's been doing, like a crazy man at his age. Uh, but I could see it being his time to kind of you know hang up the boots. I mean, I don't know what else there really is left for him to do in AEW. And I think it's probably a smart move. It's good timing that that's when he's going to go ahead and uh, retire uh, after, I think it was, what is it? Four years since he debuted in AEW. So that's good for them. Um, they brought back Ric Flair this past week on dynamite to go ahead and I guess be with sting going forward. So that obviously means that at some point, if you know the history of Ric Flair and sting, that Ric Flair is going to turn on sting at some point. That's just the story. That's just how it goes. If, like I said, look, if you're a newer wrestling fan, look up the history of Ric Flair and sting, because that's how it works. Um, I'll be interested to see who his final match is against. I mean, obviously the logic is Darby Allen. I thought I remember seeing that Darby Allen didn't want to be Sting's last match, but you know, who knows what Tony Khan can talk people into. Um, but Cam, what are your thoughts on uh, Sting's AEW run and what possible final match for him? Yeah, I mean, it's too bad that he had the injury against Seth, that Seth Rollins match because I feel like. <clears throat> Even though the stuff with Darby and I think Darby and Sting were kind of meant to be together, so I guess it all worked out for everyone. But, you know, I kind of just wish that Sting had a little bit more of a run WWE and wrestled some other guys, you know. Never forget, he helped Dolph Ziegler win a match in WWE. Um, that was his debut. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's been good. You know, Sting's done some stuff that I didn't think Sting could do, would do, so maybe Darby's really inspired him. But, you know, he he has at least let the the new wrestling fans, because I consider most people that are hardcore AEW fans on the internet, um, that don't know anything, you know, they've introduced the world to sting and they know who sting is now. And like I said, he's had some matches. I mean, it has to be Darby Allen, his final match. Like there's, I mean, if they do him and Ric Flair, that'd be hilarious. Uh, at least Tony Khan can say he booked Ric Flair and sting and, and versus sting and Vince never did. So he can have that on his, his, uh, paperwork. He files as his dad shuts down his company in five years. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's been cool. I think Sting, you know, money grab, you know, he made some good money and it is what it is. And he's the stinger. 
oh, I could absolutely see Tony Khan doing that. Uh, when something bad happens the next time when he loses in the ratings battle, he can say, well, I'm the only wrestling promoter currently going right now that ever booked Sting versus Ric Flair in a wrestling match. Uh, though I think Dixie Carter has his, well, Dixie Carter is not booking wrestling anymore because I think Sting and Ric Flair fought in TNA once or twice. Um, Chairman, what are your thoughts on Sting and AEW and his retirement? Tony Khan's going to call Mark Calloway up and ask him how much will it take. Yeah, that with his uh, with uh, Mark with his little uh, long braided ponytail. I think I saw him in in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, <laughs> Tony Khan will give us Sting versus the Undertaker. <laughs> <laughs> no, that gonna happen. Undertaker and Vince are boys. They hang out in boxing matches. But um, yeah, I mean, Sting, you know, is like almost sixty-five years old. Like people retire way before that, and Sting's doing crazy shit still. And I'm like. Dude, you're like in your 60s. You're bumping like crazy, man. Respect, man. Like, I ain't gonna be doing that. I'm 65. Hell, I'll be left like if I'm alive. I'm 65. But go Sting, man. You know, respect, man. You know, I remember him back in the day. You know, the bright colors. You know, bleach blonde hair, surfer Sting, and then of course we had Crow Sting, and you know, et cetera, et cetera. And you know, he really doesn't get talked about a whole lot in like greatest all-time wrestling list. That's kind of sad that he got overlooked a lot and i think it's because he never really had a legit wwe run that run he had was garbage we all know it was triple h freaking buried his ass at wrestlemania but um you know uh you know i think that might be kind of why Sting never had that discussion of like greatest of all time because he never had that big wwe run i mean yeah he was the kingpin of wcw forever but it's like he went to tna you know and it's like okay well tna was fine on bandy and all and sure he had some great runs with you know kurt and samoa and those guys and just Vince's favorite wrestler, Jeff Jarrett, but uh, yeah, it's just, I mean, you know, Sting was as well respected, you know, his stuff with Darby's great. Logic says they're probably going to have the Darby Allen send off to Sting, but, you know, maybe Tony will say screw it and have Sting versus Jeff Jarrett one more time. Please no, please, please, just no. I don't need to see that ever again, anything involving Jeff Jarrett ever again. Um, so that's kind of where we are on uh, current stuff at the moment. Uh, like I said, we got a couple of top fives here we're going to do. Uh, but first we're going to do, as our current rankings when it comes to women, uh, our top five. And for this one, I feel that like we can just go right in order. We don't have to switch back and forth when it comes to uh, uh, rankings like we do for the last one. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and give my current top five women's rankings as of October 30th. Um, so I'm going to go number five, Becky Lynch. Uh, as I said, she had a really good run down in uh, NXT, elevated a lot of people, worked with Tiffany Stratton, uh, obviously worked with Lyra Val- Valkyria. I think that's how you say her name. Um worked with her who is also my number four after beating Becky. I mean, I think anytime you beat a major star like Becky Lynch, you get elevated up on a list like this. Uh, it was a really good match. If you haven't seen it from NXT, I would recommend going out of your way to see it. Definitely helped uh, Lyra become a big time star and kind of give her and put her on the map down in NXT. Uh, so she's my number four. Uh, I'm going to go with Hikaru Shida at number three, the current AEW women's champion. Um, you know, she's, trying her best to do something with the women's division down there. I always just feel like a lot of her title reigns don't mean anything, but she's a good wrestler. She's a champion, so she deserves, I think, to be on the list. Uh, my number two is going to be EO Sky, uh, as we talked about in the preview for our uh, for Crown Jewel. Uh, you know, she's on SmackDown. She's having good matches with everybody there. She's definitely elevating 
uh, her game to step up into that kind of stuff. And my number one, I think this might be all of our number ones. I mean, Rhea Ripley, she's the star of Judgment Day. You could argue she's one of the top stars overall in WWE with just everything she's doing and the presence she carries as a as a worker uh, and just as an overall performer. Uh, I would be stunned if she drops off number one if we do this every month anytime soon. Uh, Chairman, why don't you go ahead and give us your top five when it comes to the women in the world of wrestling? Um, I'll say Tony Storm at number five. I think uh, her new gimmick is getting talk going. I think it's interesting. I think, you know, just it's definitely one of the more interesting characters in AEW for, you know, women's wrestlers. And then I think at number four, I'll go with uh, Chris Stratlander. I think, you know, she's overcame Jade Cargill, which alone is definitely worthy of, you know, being on the list and being the TNT championship. So, or TBS championship, my bad. So hopefully eventually she becomes, you know, a women's champion someday. And then I think I'll go with Bianca Belair at number three. I think she is definitely, you know, a champion, great presentation, great in the ring. And number two, I'll go with EO Sky. She's a champion. You know, she's phenomenal. You know, very happy to see her win Money in the Bank, happy to win the championship. And now she's getting, like, a huge role. And, of course, number one, de facto, is Mommy, hands down. No questions asked. Talked about her enough, how awesome she is. So, bang, boom, done. All right, Cameron, why don't you give us your current top five women in the world of wrestling? All right, I mean, I think we're all pretty similar here. I'm going to go – I'm going to start number five, and I'm going to go with Becky Lynch. I think Becky deserves to be in this – Without a shadow of doubt, you know, she worked NXT, worked main roster. She's a mom. Um, she is a staple. She is, you know, hands down probably, you know, even though top five means like current right now, but she's definitely top five all time for pro, West, pro wrestling women's division, in my opinion. Um, number four, I'm going to go Tony Storm. I think she's taken her new gimmick and by Storm and is doing something completely different, Has com- has, you know, branched out on her own you know that was pretty smooth i talked earlier about damage control kind of just hanging out with each other still but you know the outcasts have gone their separate ways and tony storm's doing her own thing um number three i'm gonna go with lyra valkyrie you know like i said she just beat becky lynch you know another irish woman's wrestler you know becky kind of handed her the reins and we'll see what what she can do down nxt now that they have all these uh they're having their new women tournament so they're having some new fresh blood being introduced so we'll see who sticks down there um, number two, I'm going to go EO Sky. I think EO, you know, continues to show that she can be a champion. You know, like now that she's back on her this time on her Triple H's run, you know, she's the champion. And I think that she can have some great matches, you know, maybe her and Jade Cargill, that'll be the landing spot. Who knows? And number one, yeah, Rhea Ripley. I think that until, I think until, um, either Becky dethrones her at WrestleMania possibly, or Jay Cargill gets the rocket strapped to her back. And she's the one that defeat Rhea come WrestleMania time that she's going to be number one in our list and PWI's list and everyone else's list that has a pulse. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we don't obviously fact, we don't watch, you know, Japanese women's wrestling we cannot factor that in but I mean yeah just the star presence of Rhea Ripley alone should get her number one no matter where we are um so that's one of our number ones this week uh for our second uh our second top five excuse me for our second top five we're going to go kind of more history related in the world of pro wrestling this is going to be our top five personal favorite factions of all time so this does not mean 
This is not a greatest of all time factions list, even though that's where I got the idea from for uh, this kind of thing when they tweeted out, uh, when WWE tweeted out a list of, uh, you know, greatest factions ever, or a poll, I think it was, and didn't include the four horsemen on the list. So that kind of gives you an idea of where my, uh, or my uh, rankings might go. But we're going to go, this one will go in actual, like, order. We won't actually go just one through five like we did just now. Uh, so I'll start. I'll go with number five. Um, I'm going to go ahead and, and go with the the Heart Foundation. Um, I, you know, as much as a fan of Shawn Michaels I was and DX that I was, I've always kind of had a soft spot for that group in there with Brett Owen, uh, Davey, Jim Neinhart, and Brian Pillman. It does suck that... Um, I don't mean to laugh, but like Brett is the only one left, um, you know, available or only alive, I should say. But I mean, the the heels they were great. That whole America versus Canada thing was awesome during that time frame during 1997. Brett played his role perfectly and transitioned pretty well into a heel, and they just made everything about that work. Um, and, you know, of course, you had Owen and Davey, the rest in there. You had you know. Neinhardt there, the guy to take the pins. And then, of course, you know, Brian Pillman, the crazy psycho guy of the group. Um, this is a really strong faction. It's a shame we didn't get them for longer than we did. Uh, but they're going to be my number five on my list. Um, Chairman, why don't you go ahead and give us your number five? I picked uh, Bullet Club for my number five just because of what they've done over the years. I mean, you start off with Finn to AJ to Kenny, you know, the Jay White. I mean, especially in their peak, you know, when they first became a thing, they were like the cool thing to, you know, watch. I mean, they were one of the reasons I kind of got into new Japan a couple of years ago. And I mean, bullet clubs fallen off and has a new Japan in general, I feel, but during their time though, they were, they were top notch in wrestling. I mean, everyone did the two sweet and, you know, just, they really uh, made things interesting. All right, Cam, why don't you go ahead and give us your number five and your number four. Uh, number five, I'm going to go with Evolution. I mean, I feel like that group, you know, kind of really, you know, something that I actually have an Evolution shirt too, uh, you know, still from when I was, what, 15 or 16 years old. I mean, even though I, I despise Triple H, I just loved all four of those guys together. And I think it was the makings of Randy Orton, you know, Batista shining through, Ric Flair just being Ric Flair and Triple H. And I always thought that was a that was a great character turn for triple h i think overall everything they did about it was really well done so i'm gonna go with them and i'm number five um number four and the reason why i have them so i guess low on the list is because it turned into a clusterfuck after a month the nwo um it was fun but we had the lwo we had the Wolfpack nwo we had every nwo that you could think of you had the blue wo which you know pretty cool i should have just put them there instead of uh instead of the nwo but you know the the initial Hogan turning heel and all that stuff and everything that they did for a little while was pretty good, but then it just got real bad real quick. And one time Hulk Hogan beat Bill. We're, we're pissed off that MJF beat Kenny Omega clean. Uh, remember that time that Goldberg just beat Hogan on like a random nitro in like five minutes. Yep. The, uh, the three day build on thunder that nobody ended up watching. And then they're like, Oh yeah, it turned into nitro. And it's one of the last times they ever won the ratings battle. Uh, chairman, who's going to be your number four. <clears throat> I got evolution here. It's just, um, they're one of the more memorable factions during that ruthless aggression period. You know, you had, you know, Rick Flair is obviously the old time guy and triple H is kind of the current guy, but then you got two up and coming studs and Randy Orton and Batista and, you know, you hated them. Like <laughs> I hated them. I mean, but they were 
phenomenal what they did, you know, and, you know, they kept Triple H's reign of terror going well strong. And, you know, obviously when they separated, you know, you got two main eventers out of that and Orton and Batista, you know, and they did phenomenal things themselves. And, you know, that whole uh, Randy Orton winning the uh, world title and his bright orange tangerine trunks over Thou Shall Not Be Named at SummerSlam only to get turned on the next night by a jealous Triple H with a thumbs down. One of the most memorable moments ever. So great stories, and they did great things afterwards. So Evolution definitely worthy on the list. Okay, for uh, my number four, I also had the NWO. Um, kind of like Cam said, it's just you know, it, it was great. It you know, cha- it changed the world of pro wrestling when it happened. It should have ended or two years sooner, but Eric Bischoff was too much buddy buddy with Hulk Hogan, so that wasn't going to end up happening. Uh, my number three on the list, I'm going to go ahead and say it's going to end up being the um, the Bloodline. I mean. It's just been so money for WWE, and they've done pretty much all of their TV during this whole time frame as Roman as champion has pretty much been must-see TV. Um, I would argue I think it's great. Uh, it's the best probably long-term storytelling WWE has done in such a long time. Uh, Roman as champion has just been a revelation as a heel. And, you know, we, we were kind of nervous about it at first, and he's just proven to be the, the best, you know, he could be as his heel champion. So I'm going to go ahead and put them up on this list here at number three. Uh, Chairman, who's going to be your number three? This is where I'm going to pick the shield. I mean, how's a big shield family came out and obviously we know the history with those guys and what they did afterwards, but when they were functioning, they were interesting because every time you heard their music hit, you knew something was going down. Like they'd come through the crowd and they would attack people and, it was exciting. It was like, you didn't know who was going to get hit that next week, you know, and they had some good stuff. You know, they Ambrose had a U.S. title run. Reigns and Rollins had a tag title run. And I'm talking about the original run. That reunion thing was garbage. But, like, the original run, you know, when Seth turned on them, that was wild. And, obviously, those three have done phenomenal things since the Shield broke up. And most factions, you really can't say it spawns many main eventers. Usually, you know, if a tag team or a faction splits up, it might be one or two guys. Shield, you know, all three of them went the bigger things. So that's you when you know a fashion did something right. All right, Cam, why don't you go give us your number three and your number two? Yeah, my number three. I mean, obviously, I'm, you know, I wasn't, I'm not old enough to see the fabulous Freebirds or the Four Horsemen on TV or in person, you know, during their heyday. So, you know, no disrespect to them not making the top five here, but, you know, we're, we're a little bit younger on the younger side here for this podcast. So, you know, we're, you know, no disrespect to those guys, but yeah, I'm going to go the bloodline here. I think that they, with Paul Heyman and everything and how it started and Sami Zayn and just like the run they've, they've been on. And, you know, it seems like maybe slowly at some point, maybe come WrestleMania next year or a month or so after that, that they'll officially disband and solo will move on and maybe Jimmy and Jay get back, get the band back together again. Who knows? Um, but, you know, everything they've done, just, you know, Usos being the tag champs and Roman and just the optics of how everything looks and Roman's dominant reign and Paul Heyman really being the cherry on top of all this stuff. that I think that they're not only, you know, in the top five of my favorite, but they should definitely be a top five, you know, of all time pro wrestling. Now, why don't you give us your number two, Cam? Oh, yeah. Then my number two, I'm going to go with the Shield. I mean, I think that 
like you know, like Chairman said, that they created three main eventers. You know, two promotions, three main eventers. Um, they've all their careers have just continued to go up after the Shield disbanded. And another thing you said, don't necessarily always create a bunch of stars when factions break up, or you even create main eventers or their their career trajectory trajectories go up. You know, look at Nation of Domination. You know, Farouk's a great wrestler, and you know all these other guys that were in there, but the rock's the only one that really kind of catapulted after that, um, you know, Moxley and AEW and all that stuff. So I think that they definitely deserve it. And just at the time of their peak, when they were at their peak, you know, I think WWE, that's where Vince was really kind of hitting on all cylinders. And then for whatever reason, he went back to de facto, de facto Vince, you know, when you had the shield and Wyatt family and punk was still there and Daniel Bryan was on the rise and, you know, all these things that were happening, um, you can't believe that Vince was the guy booking all that stuff. All right, Chairman, why don't you go give us your number two? Uh, I picked Degeneration X. I mean, where you want to look at the um, original with Triple H, Shawn Michaels, and China, and Rick Rue for a hot minute, or, you know, Shawn got the boot, and he got, you know, X Pac, Road Dog, and Billy Gunn. You know, you know, DX was must see TV. You know, they did crazy shit. You know, they were there's phenomenal the uh nation of domination uh spoof skit is still one of the funniest things ever though it's part of cancel culture now so sorry if you're offended i thought it was hilarious um i will say also when da's got that together years later with uh triple h and sean you know the big man spoof was funny too so just them guys just being funny not giving a shit you know spraying dx and doing the crash chop that people still do to this day you'll suck it so they're definitely one of the most memorable factions ever for me growing up. It's like what Cam said before. We didn't grow up in the Horsemen or the Freebirds era. We grew up in the DX era. It's funny you guys both mentioned that because, well, my number two is the Shield. I mean, you guys can't say I, I mean, you guys said everything you could about the Shield. I mean, they're just great. Uh, I'm not going to add anything else. There's nothing else to add. Uh, my number one is going to be the Four Horsemen. I know I did not grow up in the Four Horsemen era, but I've watched enough of them now, especially with the network and even before that, that. I just know how great they were, and hell, even the even the variations in WCW. I mean, the the uh, Flair, Arn Anderson, Chris Benoit, Brian Pillman uh, incarnation of the Four Horsemen, I thought was very good. Uh, I thought it was, you know, it, it's a sucks that they never got booked properly against the group. I mean, the NWO. I mean, by that time, you know, Pillman was pretty much gone at WCW, but. Um, I wish they could have done something like that. Uh, but like I said, I, I've watched enough of the Four Horsemen in uh, old videos of stuff like that that I know how great they were. And I'm I'm guys, I am going to have them number one on my list. I'm surprised I did. I mean, I left DX off it. It was very tough for me to leave DX off it. I was a huge DX guy as a kid. But I just also look back and think that they were slightly overrated at the time just for what they did. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like the chairman said, they were definitely entertaining at times, but I find them a teeny bit overrated. I, they probably would be number six on my list. If I, if I was to do the, by last one left off, it'd probably be them, but no, uh, like I did not grow up in the era, but I think I'm going to put the four horsemen at number one, just because I know what they've done in the world of pro wrestling and the NWA and WCW. Uh, so chairman, why don't you go ahead and give us your number one. NWO was mine. And, well, you guys are right. They definitely uh, had some crazy, disgusting Jeff Jarrett-led runs in the end there. But um, I, I think early NWO, I mean, people still wear the T-shirts to this day. I mean, it was crazy because Hall and Nash showed up. Hogan 
you know, betraying everybody was the biggest shock still ever to wrestling. And then, of course, you didn't know who the hell was joining the next week. You didn't know who was showing up. People were just getting spray painted and taken out. And WCW was just weak forever. The title was spray painted. It was crazy times. Like, it was just insane for me. I was watching WCW more WWE at the time because NWO was so hot. And the Sting stuff was crazy. They had a fake Sting, which was terrible. But, you know, people bought in it. People thought it was real. Because, I mean, this is before the internet took over. So, you didn't know anything. That was the nice thing with the NWO. There was so much betrayals, and it was awesome. And sure, we had the spinoffs of the Wolf Pack, and we had the LWO, the Blue Door World Order, every world order there is, and NWO Black, and oh god, that was terrible. It was like the Beast Squad. Oh my god, CV Ray, and who else? Crush or Brian Astro? His name was. It was. It's god. Brian Adams. It was, it was bad. But yeah, it got bad. But you know, we had some good stuff. You know, Buff Bagwell has crazy spray paint hats, and Scott Steiner, and. You know, Scott Norton was a big badass then, so, you know, it was fun, but it got bad. And then we had the reincarnation of WWE, the poison with Vince, and then, of course, Booker T trying to join. It wasn't all good, but in its heyday, that shit was awesome. All right, Cam, who's going to be your number one? My number one is DX. I mean, I think that every incarnation of DX is great. Um, even them burying FTR on Raw, what, twenty. 20- Third, raw 30 or whatever it was at the at the manhattan center in new york and you know love ftr but even them bearing ftr was uh still uh um what great moment i mean just everything about it you know Shawn michaels triple h the whole thing road dog you know all these guys um every incarnation they were just fun and i think that you know even though not necessarily road dog or x Pac or billy Gunn's names got a completely rise and they were in the main event of anything but you know they all have um a career forever just because of the DX run. All right. And that is our show for this week. We are glad to be back. And hopefully if all things work out, we will be back next week to record again. So for my co-host Cam and the chairman, Stephen Vincent, I am Justin C signing off and we will talk to you guys next week.